I am amazed. I just want to talk with you today, really. Just want to talk. Um, so I don't know if you're going to get a preach, but you're definitely going to get me sharing my heart right now. God is amazing, you know. There are many times, and this trip was one of them, when I find myself uh, sitting in places uh, and I'm thinking, Lord, um, how did I get here? (laughs) Am I dreaming? I call my wife, I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, it's it's like I'm just in a movie. (laughs) And I can just feel, I think it was uh, Luengo's daughter that says, I want to live my life. Like an epic movie soundtrack is playing behind me. <laughs> because everything is so significant. And as I just look back on some of my journey, I am absolutely amazed, really amazed. And I'm blown away uh, by the grace God has uh, poured on my life and the things he's been doing. And uh, it's, it's really been mind-blowing. I want to share with you some of my journey. Because I know you're part of that journey. That's why you're here today. Uh, You're not here by accident. The fact that you're here for me is a sign that God is raising up a resistance, a countercultural resistance to the moral decline of our day. Do you hear what I said? God is raising up a countercultural resistance to the moral decline of our day. And as a nation goes further and further away from God and it gets darker, that becomes a moment for the greatest prophets to arise. In its nation, in, the, in, the, in a nation's darkest hour, it gives room, actually creates space for the greatest prophets to arise. God raises up his greatest prophets in the darkest hours. And one of those prophets is the prophet Elijah. And I might touch on some of the things I feel connect with me and the whole uh, idea of Elijah. Uh, but I want to just uh, backtrack a bit. And I touched on it earlier when I talked about a uh, um, uh, 40-day fast. In 2007, I went on my first 40-day fast. I always thought 40-day fast was for super Christians. <laughs> and that fast launched what you see right now. I just heard online through the ramp that Luengo was calling a 40-day fast that was going to build up to the call. And um, so I just felt stirred in my spirit to go on that fast. And I I went on a Daniel fast in that time. And uh, the Lord released vision to me for what's going on right now. Uh, Not in the detail I know right now, But he definitely released a vision to me. Now, the way the Lord works with us is, it's kind of interesting. When Adam and Eve sinned, it says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. So God already knew that Jesus was coming. But he didn't reveal the plan when the fall happened. He gave a broad picture. He says... Her child will crush his head and she will bruise his heel, something like that. I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact wording. And he was talking about Jesus. And if you go a few years down the line, he gives more detail. He says he will be of the lineage of the tribe of Judah. And a few, maybe hundreds of years down the line, it gives more information. A virgin is going to give birth to this one. 
is going to deliver my people. As you go decade after decade, century after century, the prophetic word becomes more and more refined and clearer. Now, why didn't he reveal the clarity of the prophetic word from the start when they sinned? Why didn't he say, a savior is going to be born, he's going to be born a virgin? Right from the Garden of Eden, when the sin came into the world, Jesus knew the savior was going to be born. He didn't reveal his plan. Because if he revealed his plan, man would have tried to implement the plan as opposed to trust the process. You have to go through the process. And the process means you start with a wide vision. <laughs> he calls you. He says, you're called to preach. You're called to raise the dead. And you're called to do that, that, that. And you're like, I feel that you're called to do this business. Like, but as you begin a journey with the process, he begins to give more specific details. So right now, I have more details than I did 2007. But I know two years from now, there'll be more focus than even right now. Because... We're constantly walking this path of revelation. That's why it's not by power, it's not by might. Now, I do believe in forward planning, but even right now, plans are being shifted. <laughs> because heaven's agenda is not always my agenda. I'm, I'm learning that. And I constantly want to walk with the agenda of heaven. I don't want to be one of those that says, God, just bless what I'm doing. I want what I'm doing to be blessed because it's what he's doing. Okay? Because the... and I. I I want you to be aware of this. There are many things, and when I say this, I don't say it in a derogatory way to everything else going on in the body of Christ. Because I'm not even saying this with a particular ministry in mind. But I do know this. There are many things going on in the body right now that look significant to us, but are not significant in heaven. And they're also big things. Do you hear what I said? Numbers, big things, thousands. The things that are significant for heaven's sake are not always significant in the eyes of man. You've got to be aware of that. So don't always judge things by numbers. Don't always judge things by size. Oh, 5,000 people show that. God must be moving there. Not necessarily. Because if you've got a good publicity uh, 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 person, you've got good marketing skills, you can gather thousands without God. But that's not saying anything is going to happen there. You might just have a nice time. And God has called us to gather thousands. I know that. But I don't think God wants us to just end up in a stadium with thousands of people without us becoming who he's called us to become first. Because there's no point us being in front of the thousands if we're not able to reproduce what he's doing in us because we have not become anything. And we're just, we're just repeating what everyone else has been doing. And there's no impact and no real transformation. And the culture is not being shifted. That's why he's trying to work in us. He's trying to work in us. I've said it before, I'll say it again. God's primary focus is not so much what he's called us to do as who he's called us to be. We are called to be something. And right now, going through that process causes you to become who he's called you to become. But many people try to bypass the process. They want to skip the process and end up with the results. It was what happened to Jesus when Satan tempted him and said, you know, these are the kingdoms of the world bowed unto me. Satan had that because Adam and Eve gave it to him. The kingdoms of the world bowed unto me. Satan was offering Jesus the end result of his calling, but without the process. And many people right now are buying the end result without going through the process and letting God refine them. So when they end up in that place, there is no real impact. 
Because they're not letting God do the work in them. God has to do work in you. And God, you see, I say, God right now, Jesus right now disagrees with elements of your theology. You know, Jesus can disagree with your theology and still love you. (laughs) Jesus disagrees right now with elements of my theology. But he's not necessarily showing me right now. (laughs) As I walk with him. He starts to gradually show me the things. He doesn't show you everything all at once. <laughs> you, just, you just give up. <laughs> the process refines you. The process helps you to be more focused, helps you to grow in faith and trust God more. 2007, I found myself going through the process, and I'm still going through the process right now. And I don't want to skip the process because the process is leading somewhere. But I am very aware of a prophetic timeline. I feel like I am part of a movie that's playing out. I didn't realize it, but God had ordained for me to do that 40-day fast. The end of the 40-day fast, 2007, uh, July 7-7-07, was when the Lord spoke to me and said, He's going to mobilize like this. Do you hear what I said? You're going to mobilize like this for prayer in England. It was during that 40-day fast that God uh, connected with the ramp. I ended up on the platform. Some of you have seen the video. Uh, and ended up, this wasn't planned, so I was called up. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting it. And this prayer came out of me. The prayer that came out of me in that moment, that prayer affected the next seven years. If I was not obeying the process, that prayer would not have come out. Because, because that prayer came out, the message trust got hold of that video, and I got employed at the, as, as the message trust as prayer coordinator, next seven years working at the, at the message trust. What would have happened if I was in the right place at the right time, with the right heart? <laughs> and out of that moment, God connected with the message trust, which ended up being a foundational ministry for establishing what God called me to do. Because while I'm here is when Preston started, and while I'm here, the message ended up releasing me to do Preston full-time. But I started out doing prayer here, day in, day out, leading prayers in this ministry. And that was launched in that 40-day fast. And then at the end of the fast, the Lord says, you mobilize like this for prayer. And then he gave me the vision of what mass gatherings of fasting and prayer could look like. Two years later, the same name, I already said to you, gave him the same name, Prayer Storm, that I gave Lou. A few years down the line, he ends up connecting me with Lou. And, uh, and again, I start to realize I am in this timeline of events that is just mind-blowing. The reason why Lou is important uh, for me is because, one, he's a spiritual father to me. Uh, before 2007, I wasn't very much, I was aware of who he was, but I wasn't very much connected with his ministry. But after 2007, when God said, you mobilize like this for prayer, I knew I had to be more connected. So I started just, in the, you know, from afar, just connecting with his messages, connecting with the DNA that led to this movement. And I'm telling you, he is the real deal. I don't even know if I can say this publicly, but I know he has said it publicly, so I might as well say it publicly. Um, uh, uh, On the 9th of April, 2016, it's going to be the anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. Anyone heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Okay, I'm going to talk a bit about that in a moment. It's going to be the 110th 
anniversary of the Jesus revival. And God has stirred it in uh, the hearts of many and lose one of them to mobilize people to pray on that day. And I'll share a bit about that later on. Uh, but they, they, they bought a stadium. Well, they didn't buy a stadium. They, they, they hired a stadium. I think the largest uh, stadium um, in America, I think you can see it at 120, 130,000 people. And I believe in God to fill it with fasting and prayer for the proclamation of the gospel. Not just prayer, for the pro- proclamation of the gospel and unity of the body of Christ. You know, so they're contending for real things in, in this. Um, and uh, I found out on this trip um, that the Lord started speaking to him about, uh, you know, the story of the guy who sold everything he had to buy the field. And the Lord started saying to him, buy the field, buy the field. You know how much it costs? I don't know how much, but millions of pounds to hire a stadium. So um, he feels like God's telling him to sell his house. Sell his house to put money into getting that stadium. So he says it to his wife, you know, this is what I feel God's saying. And she's like, I'm 100% behind you. So he says this to his kids. He says, this is your inheritance. And you know what they says? We've got a greater spiritual inheritance. He sells his house. I'm telling you, he's the real deal. He puts everything into this vision of Azusa Street. Now, the reason why I feel I'm connected to this is, one, not just what I said to you about the whole prayer, uh, uh, storm kind of uh, thing, and that connected to him and all that. Uh, but over my whole life, I've kind of had this sense that I'm called to more. I'm called to more. I'm called to more than this. But on this last trip, it's become more and more clear to me that I am called for revival. Right now, I am the CEO of Prestorm. So you know what that means? I'm in the office doing emails. That means I'm doing a lot of meetings. That means I'm, I'm doing stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the season I'm in right now. But that's not where I'm supposed to be. Now, I am still going to function in that role to an extent, but in the fullness of the calling God has on my life, I'm not called to be in the office just working on computers all day. And I I remember the Lord said to me uh, a few weeks ago, he says, James, I've not called you to lead an organization. I've called you to lead a revival. Now, that doesn't mean I discard where I'm at right now because these are the days of small beginnings. (laughs) So you have to work with what you have. So I'm consciously aware of the fact that I am called to lead a revival. But when I look at my life up until now, I'm thinking, God, I am not really seeing the outworking of the prophetic words that you've given me. But I know I am in the early days. I feel like what we've been doing up until now is for, for not degrading. It's almost like we're just rehearsing <laughs> to then build foundation that will then lead to acceleration of what God's called us to. In the days ahead of us, there's going to be greater clarity in prayer assignments, in intercession, and effectiveness in the heavens. And I know that because I know these, this is all preparation. So the Lord said to me, you're not just called to lead an organization, you're called to lead a revival. But here, am I, uh, here I am, uh, you know, with, with this prayer movement. We're starting, and then I'm, I'm recollecting a few things that's happened with me. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, um, maybe a couple of years ago, some of you know this story, and not everyone would know it, but I need to say it again. And the reason why I keep saying this story is because I want you to 
I want faith to arise in you and your eyes to be open to the hour that we're living in. Okay. I was speaking about revival in a meeting, and a Nigerian guy came to me. By the way, for those of you that don't know, my dad is Nigerian. I grew up a lot. In, I went to high school in Nigeria, so I would say I'm Nigerian, but technically I kind of am Nigerian, Ghanaian, Liberian, because I was born in Liberia. My mom is from Ghana. I live in Nigeria, and now I'm in Manchester. So kind of all over the place. But the point is, uh, uh, I see myself as Nigerian because I grew up more in Ni- I spent more years in Nigeria. Um, this guy, uh, speaking about revival at this conference, and this guy came to speak to me afterwards. And, uh, uh, and he, he was from Nigeria. In fact, he'd just been in the country a few weeks at that time. And he said to me, he said, um, it's interesting what you're talking about today. Because uh, in 1929, there was a move of God that happened in Nigeria. And he said to me, my grandfather was part of that move. Um, and... That move of God was influenced by some guys that came out of the Welsh Revival. 1904, you heard of the Welsh Revival? Evan Roberts? The Welsh Revival, the Spirit of God descends upon the nation of Wales, you know, and everything changes. Everything changes. People's language changed. The newspapers. I think we need to have a grid for what I'm talking about here because sometimes we overuse the word revival as just a Christian event. But when I say a revival, I'm actually talking about a great awakening, a spiritual awakening across the whole region, across the whole nation. And, and that's what happened with the Welsh revival. Evan Roberts, God laid hold of him and a few other young people, and it was like the spirit of God was being poured out, and there was a release of conviction of sin on a massive scale. And people were just turning to God in their masses, and encounters of God was being released. And um, out of that move of God, some guys came out of that move and went to Nigeria, to 1929, later, obviously, a few years after that. And they were used to spark of a move of God. Now, he said, during that move of God, there was a prophetic word that was released that just like those missionaries came from the UK to Nigeria to spark off a move of God, in years to come, the seed of the land will come back to the UK and be the spark of an awakening. I have just been preaching on revival. He told me this because his grandfather was in that meeting. So without me realizing it, I am fulfilling prophecy. I am working out prophecy. You know something else I realized? I never met my granddad on my dad's side. And when my dad got saved, his father was just dying when he got saved. So my dad wasn't really mature in the things of the Lord to really be able to talk to his dad much about spiritual things. And I find out recently that the same ministry I have right now was the same type of ministry my granddad had. I didn't know that. My dad's ministry is quite different to mine. And if you know my dad, you know what I'm talking about. We're both called to the ministry, but it's a very different outworking of callings. But I realize what I'm doing is generational, and I didn't even know it. It's like I'm, 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 working, I'm, I'm, I'm walking under a, the, provid, the providence of God, and it's directing me, stirring my heart. So without a shadow of a doubt, I know I'm called for revival. But have I seen the revival? No. Because we're in the preparatory stages. And God, God is building up an army. You're here right now because something in your heart drew you here. You're here because something has drawn you here. Most people do not just want to go to a prayer thing today. Most people right now watching, 
What's that thing? Downton Abbey. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's still on. <laughs> when we have days of fasting and prayer, most people are not bothered. They're like, oh yeah, whatever. Those crazy people doing their thing. So you're drawn here by the hand of God. And God is drawing you into this timeline. And God is building an army. We're not yet the army he's, he's wanting to build. I know that. But he's, he's doing a work in us. See, when you're part of an army, you're part of a company of people that know how to fight on their own. So you can fight on your own, and I can fight on my own, and if need be, I can defend you, and if need be, you can defend me. So we're both real fighters. When we come together in mass, then we're an army. But many people don't know how to fight. Weapons, blunt don't even know how to use their weapons, don't know how to respond to the things of the Spirit, don't understand the things of the Spirit, are dulled by the culture and the system, and the Spirit of Elijah is rising up. See, the Bible says in the last days, Elijah is coming. Malachi ends with the prophecy, Elijah is coming. If Elijah is coming, it means Jezebel is coming. Where there is Elijah, there is Jezebel. Jezebel is not a woman. It's a spirit. And that lady Jezebel embodied that spirit in its fullness. And the same way Elijah embodied a certain manifestation of the spirit in its fullness. And there are enemies. They always contend against each other. The spirit of Elijah is intense. The spirit of Elijah is a spirit that can shut the heavens and open the heavens. Is the spirit that can intercede and birth the will of God. Is the spirit that can call down fire from heaven. Is the spirit of revival because it challenges the nation and the government. Is the spirit that causes shift in the climate. The spirit of Elijah is a confrontational spirit. It's not a spirit that succumbs to the system. When there's all the agendas going on, all the homosexual agenda and the abortion agenda and all the agenda in the system, the spirit of Elijah arises to contend against that. Yeah. But you know what's happening? Because Jezebel is, 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 is around right now. It's a spirit that causes us to be timid and feel intimidated. And it, that's what Jezebel did. Intimidated the prophets, shut them up, kill the prophets with sexual immorality, kill the prophet with compromise. I'm telling you, Jezebel is at work right now. But if Jezebel is at work, Elijah must rise up. So, enough of us saying, Where is the God of Elijah? God is saying, Where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elijahs of God? Arise, Elijahs. Do not get carried away with the system and the culture. We're living in a key moment. And I know you probably hear that quite a lot, but you've got to understand, the people who lived in the days of Elijah and the days of Jesus, just most of them did not realize how significant it was. They just thought it was just, oh yeah, we see this all the time. You know, do you not realize we're living in an equally significant moment and most of us are just thinking it's nothing? It's the same kind of concept. When you watch those movies, those epic movies of warriors fighting, you're watching the movie with the soundtrack, and it feels cool to watch, but you are not in the movie feeling the pain that the warrior is feeling, and for the warrior that's going through everything, it may not even feel as epic, because you're, you're watching it. So he's going through the pain of fighting and fasting and praying, and, you know, and you're watching that, and just, oh, that looks so epic, but... 
when you're in it, it doesn't feel that much as that. You've got to know you're in the epic movie. You are in an epic movie. <laughs> the movie of God. It's playing out right now. That's why you have to engage with it. Jezebel is arising all across the system, all across the culture. And God is raising up the spirit of Elijah. And I'm saying, we're not yet the army that God wants to raise up. We're getting there, but we're not yet there. And that's why I started by saying God releases a broad picture. And then as you start to work, it brings more specific clarity. And I know even with this present movement, there's more things that, there are things that are yet to be born out of this movement that are going to come in the days ahead. But God is raising up his warriors. Learn how to fight. The only reason why I'm standing in front of you right now, what qualifies me to do this, apart from the grace of God, is the fact that I am a warrior. I have learned how to fight my own battles. I'm not coming here to talk to you about something I don't know about. I'm not coming here to talk to you about something I don't know about dealing with depression and dark thoughts and the enemy coming against me. There are times when I had to get people to pray for me, but there are times where God said, now you do the prayer yourself. I'm training you in war. You learn how to fight by going into the battlefield and learn how to use your own equipment of war. When you've learned how to use your equipment of war, then you can stand with people and learn how to fight together as an army. But many of us are running away from the devil as opposed to running towards him. The enemy is coming against your mind. It's coming against your family. It's coming against your heart. Do you not realize God is using those things to train you up? He's training you up. Do not just complain and say, God, take this away. Warriors are not comfortable. War comfortable people do not change history. Warriors go through difficult things. Do you want to be a warrior or do you want to be a coasting along Christian that just barely makes it to heaven? If you want to be a warrior, then you gotta welcome the challenges that are gonna come your way because God will train you up. He will train you up. Learn how to fight. Don't just run away. Let him build in your fortitude. And one thing I feel is God is wanting to build that community of warriors. And that's one of the things I had on my heart. I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this movement and this meeting, God is wanting to build a community of warriors. We're not yet there. I know I've not yet seen it. And I saw glimpses of it in America. I saw glimpses of it with companies of warriors. I was in a room with people who were doing 40-day water fasts. Meeting daily to fast and pray. And contend for breakthrough over California. I'm in rooms with young people going on fasts, seeking God. I'm thinking, I've not seen that in the UK. Yes, many of us are meeting to pray. But who are the people meeting to fast and pray? Because this kind of demon and this kind of spirit will not come out except by prayer and fasting. Isn't that what Jesus said to the disciples? Some, some translations miss out the fasting. Get the ones that put the fasting in. I'm telling you, Jesus fasted 40 days. Moses fasted 40 days a few times. Elijah fasted 40 days. John lived a fasted lifestyle. If we're talking about the spirit of Elijah, then we need to understand that we have got a fight on our hands. And the fight requires 
our response in intensity. If you don't consciously stand against this spirit we're facing in this age, you will be subconsciously influenced by it. And even while I was away, the Lord gave me some strategies for my personal life. In the area of fasting. Because <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, Lord, how, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to prepare? What are you trying to... And I feel like the Lord gave me some strategies for my personal life. And I want to share with you some things today that I know are absolutely key for the days ahead. Because I remember Lou was asking me, you know, uh, what's going on in England with the prayer movement? Now, there are lots of people praying. Don't get me wrong. God's raising people up. And you've got to understand my heart. I'm not trying to say we're the only ones doing this. God has people everywhere. And you would never know them. <laughs> Just hidden, fasting and praying. But I'm talking about a mass mobilization of the people. Um, when I say mass, I mean mass. Have you ever, now tell me, please, honestly, I know I'm preaching, but let me know. Have you ever heard of mass gatherings in the UK right now? When I say mass, thousands gathering together to fast and pray, and not about a speaker, a worship leader, or a program meeting, but we just come in because our hearts are so broken, and we've come, we've come to Mount Carmel. You know the story of Elijah, Mount Carmel, where we're calling out to God, Father, let your fire be released over the nation, so that those in complacency can see that you are God and come before you. Have you seen a lot of that? I haven't. If you have, let me know, because I haven't. And this nation is in such a dark place. Why do you not think we require that kind of a response? Because the darkness is so heavy, it requires an equal, if not greater, response on the opposite side. And you've heard me use the illustration, some of you. If you're trying to swim in a river, you're swimming against the tide. By default, as a Christian, you swim against the tide. And if you do nothing, in other words, if you just go to church, go to Bible study, that's doing nothing. You backslide. Going to church does not mean you grow in your faith. Hearing a message does not mean you grow in your faith. In fact, listening to a message does not mean much if it's not working itself out in the consistent application of the elementary things in your life. I put it this way. The, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, spiritual maturity is worked out in the consistent application of elementary things and not the occasional application of spectacular things. Consistently working out. If you don't do that, you're not really going to grow in the things of God, by default, you backslide. By default. If you just go to church, you backslide. So, you want to swim against the tide. And the force you're applying upstream is the same as the force coming against you. What happens? You remain in the same position. So, if you want to make any kind of progress, you have to apply a force that's greater than that which is coming against you. Welcome to Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. He was talking about the spirit of Elijah. It's a violent spirit. In, it's, not, it's not violence in the natural. It's violence in the spirit. So there has to be an intensity applied against the system that's greater than that which is coming against you. And by the way, I need to clarify, it's not about volume. It's not about how loud you shout. It's about how loud your life in secret shouts. It's, it's about the death <laughs> that no one sees. It's not about oh, how articulate you are on the microphone. It's not about public ministry. I'm talking about a violent spiritual living where you're violent against anything that you know is coming in to cause compromise, dullness of heart, dullness of spirit. Warriors 
always live alert. They're always on call. They know, oh, you know, I'm just going to break now. I, I don't really understand how the Secret Service, in fact, I had a dream while I was in America. And in the dream, I was, well, there's two parts of the dream. I, I, don't, I don't think it's all related to this, but I'm starting, so I might as well just say. <laughs> the first part of the dream wasn't that good. I was joining myself to a prayer movement, and there was unbelief in the camp. And uh, the, the, the unbelief was like water, and the, the, the prayer movement was like the boat. You know what? While I thought about it, I felt like that was representative of the prayer movement in the UK. Uh, the, 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 the water was the unbelief, and the boat was in it, the, the prayer movement. And I could see there was unbelief. Now, the unbelief was getting into the boat, so it started to sink. Okay? And I felt like I could help. I came in with faith. As I got in the boat, the unbelief got into me too. So we're all sinking. And then someone lifted a voice and says, we cannot let this happen. We're the hope of the nation. And the dream shifted. The next dream, I am part of the highest trained special forces on the planet. And it was like I was being released like a smart bomb into the camp of the enemy. Just, just causing havoc, undetected by the enemy. And I feel like out of that dream, I had the sense that we're in a system, in a culture that's so cynical. And I came into this culture with faith, but every now and again, I feel the cynicism and the, and the unbelief coming into me. And we have to learn how to get rid of that unbelief. And it's the violent spirit that learns how to stand against the spirit of cynicism and unbelief. And we say, God, we're going to pray for revival. And you're like, you know what? I don't even think this is going to happen. You know, it's just all dull, just dark. He needs to go on a fast. Because what did Jesus do? He rebukes his disciples for unbelief, and then he said fast. In other words, fasting is connected to faith. Fasting is connected to faith for revival and faith for driving out the powers of hell. 19, in, in, the, in the 1940s, there was a book released. I've not got it here. It's called Atomic Power uh, with God through Fasting and Prayer. Anyone heard of that book? Atomic Power with God through Fasting and Prayer. And the book was about the Jesus fast, the 40-day fast. And that book swept the globe like wildfire. And people were going on fasts, seeking God. 40 days, 21 days, 7 days, people were going on fasts. Mass fasting, the body of Christ, just seeking God in fasting and prayer. And then in 1947, 1948, 1949, revival started to break out across the globe. I think it was, in, it was in the late 40s that Israel became a nation. The healing revival broke out in that time in America. You know, uh, Billy Graham's ministry broke out in that time in America. You talk about the healing revival, Oral Roberts, you know, Jack Cole, talk about William Branham. All those guys, if you know anything about revival history, they came out in that season. The fastings created the space for those guys to break through in their ministry, to Release the kingdom of God like I'd never been seen before. But it was mass fasting and prayer. Uh, the Azusa Street Revival of 1906. William Seymour. Anyone know William Seymour? Uh, what we know today as the expression of Pentecostal charismatic Christianity came out of that revival, 1906. Because before then, speaking in tongues was not as common as you think it is. 
it, it, it was almost like one of those things that was not a realized revelation in the body. And God breaks out with this revival in 1906. And William Seymour was a one-eyed black guy that God used to, to lead this revival. But before that revival broke out, there was another guy called Frank Bertelman, a white guy. And if you read his book, you understand that this man gave himself intensely to seeking God in fasting and prayer. He gave himself intensely and he almost laid spiritual groundwork for what God was about to do with the Azusa Street Revival. And when God broke out with the Azusa Street Revival, the color line was washed away in America. If you understand America, you know that's a big deal. <laughs> White and black coming together to see God in worship. It was said that the glory of God sometimes will be visibly seen on the building. It was said that limbs, have you seen amputees? Limbs, their, their hands will grow out in the glory. Salvations, deliverance on a scale I've never seen before was taking place. But what preceded that was intense prayer and fasting. Joel 2, 12. He says, gather the whole people, call a fast. A solemn assembly. Gather all the people of God, the young and the old. Gather everyone. Let them come before the Lord in fasting and in prayer. And then you read Joel 2, 28. We all quote Joel 2, 28. I'll pour my spirit in all flesh. But the first few words says, and afterwards, and afterwards, and afterwards. In other words, after the mass gathering of God's people to fast and pray, that prepares the spiritual atmosphere for the outpouring of the spirit on all flesh. This is the interesting thing. <laughs> During the Azusa Street revival, there was a prophetic word released. I wrote this down. There was a prophetic word released. Um, okay, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> As the Azusa Street Revival was coming to an end, a um, hundred years ago, so this is uh, 1906-ish, you know, Charles Fox Parham, known as the father of Pentecost, and William Seymour, known as the catalyst of, the, of Pentecost, on the same day, at two separate locations... So they're not together. These are two leaders in the body. William Seymour is the guy who led the revival. And this other guy is called the father of Pentecost uh, uh, a movement. At two separate occasions, they prophesied. And what do they say? They prophesied that there will be another stronger move of God's spirit on the earth, which will take place a hundred years from then. At the end of Mary, Mary Woodward Ether was another revivalist. At the end of a six-month camp that she did, she gave a similar prophecy that there will be a greater move of God in the next hundred years. And I'm sure there's someone else I'm missing out as well. So there's, there's different, and at Smith Wigglesworth also had a prophetic word. And if I remember correctly, it correlates to this season we're currently in. And these prophetic words have come forth saying we are in a season where there should be the, at least the initiation of a move of God that far surpasses Azusa. That far surpasses anything we've heard about before. Are we saying that now? No, we're not. You know why? I think we've not responded to the prophecy correctly. Because if you were here for some of the book, I told about how Moses was called to deliver the children of Israel. And the prophetic word to Abraham was they will be in captivity for 400 years. But they ended up being in captivity for, I think, 420 years. 
So there was 20-year delay. And I don't think that's an accident as recorded in Scripture. Because they were meant to come out in the 400 year. On the 390th year was when Abraham and, uh, was when Moses ended up working his own strength and trying to deliver, you know, the, 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 the Israelites. And, you know, he ended up, you know, running for his life out of fear. Because 10 years before the prophecy was going to come to pass, I believe something started stirring in Moses. Destiny was stirring. But I feel he responded in the flesh and not in the spirit. And also, the intercession of the people of God was not rising to the intensity it needed to be for Moses to come forth. Because Moses coming forth as a deliverer was also a direct response to the cries. If you read Exodus, the cries of the children of Israel in captivity, their cries went up to God and God heard their cry. And that's intercession. And God sent Moses. So their cries also helped prepare Moses for his hour. Are you with me? So I do think there was a delay on both sides. Moses internally, but also the people of God in their intercession. And the reason why I say that is because Daniel had a similar thing happen to him. In Daniel, Daniel reads the prophecy of Jeremiah and realizes 70 years is coming. They're, gonna, they're supposed to be out of captivity, 70 years. And you know what Daniel did? He gave himself to fasting and prayer. And on the 70th year, they came out. So if they came out on the 70th year with Daniel, then they could have come out on the 400th year because that's what God the Father said to Abraham. So right now, if God spoke, now you have to believe that these are prophetic words from God. If God did speak these prophetic words in 1906, that there will be another move of God that far surpasses Azusa. And my history is, I am called to revival. And I know I'm, at, I'm in the I'm working of a prophetic calling that I didn't even realize I'm working out. And I'm putting all the dots together. Then I'm realizing I'm living a significant moment. And I'm supposed to be in a moment where we're seeing a revival being released. But we know you're seeing it. Because I don't believe we're responding like we should to the word that was spoken. We're not just called to have a nice meeting. Many people, that, many Christians are excited with a nice service. Goosebumps. Feel good. What would happen if we start judging how great a meeting is? Not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the desire for God we feel when the meeting is over. Because when the meeting is over, most people are just back to their normal selves. And true revival translates home. True revival does not just exist in the meeting. There's one thing I realized when I spent time with Lou. <laughs> oh, I remember I was listening to a prayer by Alan Hood. Alan Hood prayed this. He said, Lord, destroy us with revelation. I was like, oh, Father, I love that prayer. Destroy us with revelation. When I, when I was spending time with Lou, that's how I felt. <laughs> I felt destroyed with revelation. And I was thinking to myself, what, how do I articulate this? What we see or what I've seen of him from afar is the tip of the iceberg to what the reality is behind closed doors. Are you with me? Because <laughs> so deep, there's such, there's such a real cry, hunger, longing for revival, seeking and pressing into things of God. And I was just really blown away. So 1906, this prophecy was released. And now we're in the, we're in the season when it's meant to be fulfilled. So April 9th will be the 110th year anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. God has called me to revival. 
God has called you to revival. And we're not yet living in that revival. But we've got to respond to the words that correlate to the season we're in. You have to believe those were words from God. Otherwise, you won't respond to them. See, if you really believe those are words from God, it would demand a response from you. And I don't think many of us realize these are words from, words from God. Now, there are many people in the body of Christ that don't necessarily know about these prophetic words. But you know about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and that, with that comes responsibility. I am not just called to have nice prayer meetings. Hundreds, thousands of people gather and we have a nice time. I am called to see a God breathe, heaven releasing revival that changes this nation. And that is my assignment. If that is my assignment and you've been drawn by God into this and you want to connect with this storyline, that becomes part of your DNA. So what, is, what does all this mean? I was going to show you a video, but obviously we've not got a projector kind of going. And uh, uh, I was with you at the, uh, you know, the, the stadium that I said, you know, kind of sold everything to buy. <laughs> um, or to, yeah, to, to hire. Um, and uh, we're doing this video, maybe I might, at some point I might, I might put it online, you know, inviting um, people to come to this gathering in, in April. So on the 9th of April, which is the 110th anniversary, they're doing like a, a, a day of fasting and prayer, contending for the fulfillment of that prophecy. But I also feel something stir in my heart. Everything I'm saying is building up to this. I feel something stir in my heart. See, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't say this lightly. And I don't say this with pride. But I know God has given me authority to call fasting because I do fasting. Are we okay? Okay. It's fire alarm. <laughs> Becky says amen. I say amen too. <laughs> um, I know God's given me grace to call fasting because I've lived fasting. Anyone feeling? I'm feeling a grace right now to call a 40-day fast. Not this year, for next year. I want to use this platform to call you because you're going you're gonna to prepare for this. I don't believe in just saying, things, oh, tomorrow we're going to do a 40-day fast. I want you to prepare yourself and ask the Lord. If, not even ask the Lord. If you want to be part of this movement, you have to connect with this. Yeah. I'm telling you. Now, the different dimensions of fasting is worth clarifying that. I'm not saying go and do a water fast. But I'm calling you to a 40-day fast starting the Lent of February. February 10th, I think, is when the Lent starts. And what I feel in my heart for this 40-day fast is not so much just to get together and fast, but it's to get together and fast and contend for breakthrough in England. Because the Azusa Street Revival ended up impacting, the, ended up impacting England. And in the days to come, I'll, I'll bring more clarity on this prophetic word. I've been thinking about this in my heart as I was, as I was coming over here thinking, Lord, I really feel like we're entering into a season when we need to move... What I want to do is I want to mobilize the body of Christ in the UK. Amen. 
I want to mobilize the body. So, the, you know what's all that's coming up? I'm going to be announcing this. February 10, we're all going to be going on a 40-day fast. And we're gonna, the purpose of this fast is to contend for the revival that God has promised us. Because we have been praying for it, but we've not been fasting with our prayers. And fasting brings a force behind your prayers. And when you fast on mass, something happens in the heavens. Do you think nothing happens when the Christians fast on mass? As of when the Muslims fast on mass? Prayer is powerful, whatever kingdom you're in. Which is pray? Which is, yeah, that's true. Which is, in fact, I remember a pastor saying he was on a plane once. It was with a guy. I think they're offering food, and, you know, and he, he says he's not eating. And he asked him why. He says, oh, we're on a fast. And he's a witch. Fasting to break down pastors' homes. Witches fast. They know the power of sacrifice. But in the body, we just coast along saying, oh, it's all done. It's all finished. It's a finished work of the cross. And people say, oh, it's finished. all done. Well, why don't you say that to Paul? Paul was after the cross, and he didn't just say it's finished. I'm just going to chill out and relax. He says we wrestle. We wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Well, it was finished on the cross, but somehow someone needs to rise up to enforce that victory. And if that person does not enforce the victory, the finished work will not be realized in the natural. So I want to call you today. Consider this. And there's a lot more I want to say about this, but time is running out. Listen to what Winston Churchill said during the Second World War. He says, when I see these German youth marching through the streets of Germany with a desire to suffer for their land, they're not looking for a name. They're looking for weapons. And when they get their weapons, they will not cease to demand the return of the lost territories. Do you hear that? He's saying, when I see these young people in Germany marching through the streets, they're not seeking for a name. They're seeking for weapons. And when they lay their hold, when they lay their hands on that weapons, they will not cease to demand the return of the lost territories. That is the picture of the body of Christ. Many of us have not got weapons in our hands right now. And the enemy has gained so much territory. But I believe the Lord is wanting to raise up another army of fasting and prayer. This movement is called to be a movement of fasting and prayer. And I don't hear many people sounding this alarm across the nation. And I'm not saying they're not there. But I know right now, with the influence God has given us, we're going to sound this alarm everywhere we go. It's time to fast and pray and call out to God for another spiritual awakening. Because without him, we have no hope. We need to get rid of the unbelief. The unbelief that's coming to all our hearts. Where we're trying to pray for a move of God, but we're like, you know what, nothing is happening. And you know, when, something I've realized on this journey I've been on in America, when you start to fast and pray, it increases in a stupid, crazy way. <laughs> Prophetic whirlwind, whirlwinds, dreams and revelations directions begin to break through. Daniel's fasting caused war in the heavens. He was the only one fasting, as far as we know. Maybe his friends were fasting too, I don't know. But Daniel was fasting in response to prophecy, and because of that, war was stirred up in the heavens. 
What would, what would happen if we start to fast for the territories that have been lost? And we're saying, God, we will not let go. See, I want to clarify this. We're not fasting to gain God's favor. We're not fasting to get God to love us. Because he loves us, we fast. What did he say to his disciples? When, they was, when the John's disciples said, you know, disciples are not fasting. He says, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. When is then? Then is now. He's, he's, he's not with us. Jesus knows us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And this is the season for fasting and prayer. This is the season to contend for the territories that have been taken by the enemy. And we say, Father, we will contend. And I feel like we pray so many with this movement. God is wanting to raise us up. We're not yet there, but we're on our journey there. I keep saying that because I know what I'm saying right now is not what I've seen and what I sense. But God is wanting to raise us up to be those special forces I saw in my dream. Intercessory smart bombs that just go and explode in the, in the camp of the enemy. And we become a company. And on these 40 days, I'm going to be meeting with my trustees and we'll be talking about how, how we can make this work. Because I think I would like us to have some kind of meetings in these times, in, in, those, in that season of fasting and prayer. But I don't fully know how it's going to look, but we will seek God and have some revelation. But there's going to be some intense... Because when I'm in a room with, I don't know, 20, 30 young people who have been meeting daily, seeking God, day in and day out, to, and just fasting and prayer... And you step in that atmosphere, I say to people, you don't know you're asleep until you wake up. And many times, God puts you around people that are fully awake to show you how asleep you are. And when you step into that atmosphere, I'm thinking, what are we doing in the UK? What are we, where are the companies of people? Where are the spiritual RAF? Do you know what Winston Churchill said of the RAF? He said, anyone knows about Second World War? The RAF were the forces that fought the, the German forces in the air. If they didn't win that battle, we would all be speaking German right now. We love the Germans. <laughs> but we're talking about the Second World War. If they didn't win that battle in the air, we would all be under German. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So that was a significant battle. Do you know what Winston Churchill said of them? Never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed to so to, uh, by so many to so few. Never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. They were the RAF and they were dealing the battle in the heavens. And they had to win the battle in the heavens. And I want to say to you, you are the RAF. Those pilots had to be trained. Many of you right now are going to be trained. <laughs> You're going to be trained on the job. And you're going to start to pick up your weapons and become that spiritual air force in the spirit. That ascends and connects with the agenda of heaven and begins to enforce that agenda. Enforce that a strategic prayer movement. And I really feel in the days to come, God is going to start to download strategies. I cannot tell you, being in that environment of fasting and prayer, the kind of dreams and revelations that were coming forth. That was just mind-blowing. It was just the providence of God. The storyline could not have been worked out by any man. It was just mind-blowing. 
that dream confers this dream. That revelation connects with this. This person has this word that God spoke to them a while back that connects with just what's going on right now. This person has a dream of exactly what's going on right now. And it's like everything just starts to, when all that starts to happen, you know what happens? Faith. Faith. You're like, I am part of an army. God's doing something here. <laughs> you, just, you just don't, oh yeah, we're just going to pray right now. We're not just doing some pitiful prayer meeting. We're doing war in the heavens. And we know we're strategic. We know we're advancing something. And majority of the body of Christ right now, I'm telling you, even the prayer movement, we're, we're, we're firing arrows, but we, I don't feel like we've reached the place of that high level of effectiveness. What are those special forces called in the UK? SAS. Special forces that go forward and just do stuff. And I want to prophesy like this because I know, I feel in my heart, as we connect as a community on this level, it's going to give birth to the stadiums that God's prophesied over this nation. God has spoken stadiums are going to be filled with fasting and prayer. See what I said? Fasting and prayer. Till date, I think uh, the last time I heard about mass fasting and prayer was actually during the Second World War. I think the prime minister or someone called the whole nation to fast and pray. Solemn assembly. As far as I'm aware... I don't know of another time when the whole nation or even the whole church has been called to gather together to fast and pray. Now, that's not that people are not fasting and praying. I mean, everyone is called, come together, let's fast and pray. And I'm not talking of just a couple of people, thousands, tens of thousands. Do you not want to see that in the UK? Then give birth to it. By you responding to it. I'm running up now. As I was thinking about this word, I felt like from this company, God's going to bring a community together. Who would covenant with each other? I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. To run for this vision, to run after God in this whole heart of seeking him intensely. Because the constitution of our community is more important than the passion of our prayers. That I know where you are. You know where I'm at. I'm not living in hidden sin. We're covenanted to journey in prayer together. And we meet, we break bread, we journey together in prayer. When we get together to pray, there is a greater force released because of our unity in heart. Than if we get together to pray and you're just thinking you're there and we're shouting. We could shout and have no impact. The constitution of our community is more important than the passion of our prayers. And I feel from this, from this group right here, God is going to start to form together a community from different backgrounds, from different churches. But I don't know how it's all going to work, but we're going to come together and become a company of people that will be giving birth to the things of heaven. Stadiums will give birth to it. I believe that. If the Lord has said revival is what we're called for, then revival is what we're going to do. We're not just going to do nice Christian meetings. We're going to do revival. And our prayer gatherings will have a target and a focus. That's who we are. So I'm not going to settle for anything less than what God has promised. And I feel like coming here to say this is just also not just for you, but for me. To announce again, just like Jesus did, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to do A, B, C, D. I'm saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to raise up a prayer revolution in this nation. That will turn the nation back to God. 
and you're listening to me right now and you're here and you're hearing these words because God is assigned for you to be here. He is anointed, and I just say that just for me, and you're going to connect to this uh, storyline, prophetic storyline. And as we journey through the process, you're going to start to see downloads and revelation, clarity. You're going to begin to have dreams yourself. You're going to begin to see that God has connected you in this for a reason. Do you understand with me? I want you to just pray in the spirit right now. Just pray in the spirit right now. We're living in a significant moment in history. Heaven is looking at us. We're going to respond to the word of the Lord in this season. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. We're going to lay hold of the promise of heaven. We will not be dull-hearted in this, in this moment. Father, we arise in the name of Jesus. We arise from slumber. We arise from complacency. We arise from false ideologies. We break down every ideology of the devil in our minds that's stopping us from receiving your word. We come against every infection of unbelief. Father, decontaminate our minds from every infection of unbelief. Every cynicism, doubt, and darkness, the system in the culture that we're in that has got into us. Father, we say right now, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Faith arise, faith arise, faith arise. Faith for revival. Faith for awakening. Faith for revival. Faith for awakening. Hayana Mahasika. Zabale Hatalina Namanandua. Hayalana Mahanda di Aladabali Aladaba. Haya Haya Hatali Aladaba. Zuba Hatialana Mazende Hebaritua. Haya Halena Mahando Letaliba. Hayalana Manandi Alana Mazende Hatiala Hasti. Faith arise. Faith arise. Father, we pull down the stronghold of unbelief. We pull down the stronghold of cynicism. We say, no, we will not buy into the, to the enemy's doubts and whispers. We arise. We arise. We arise. Come on right now. Pray with me. We arise. We arise. We arise. Faith for revival. Faith for awakening. Faith for revival. Faith for awakening. Faith for revival. Faith for awakening. Hey, Malana Maya, ya, 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 
Lift up your voice. Hey. Ah. We arise. We arise. We connect ourselves with the storyline of heaven. We arise with the storyline of heaven. We say, Father, we connect ourselves with your agenda. We tap into your agenda right now. We will not be dull-hearted. Eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to perceive what the Spirit is saying. Lift your voice. Come on. Zeba la nama reneba. Mande brerebo zondo no brerebo. Zebrerebo joso loto brerebo. Nema la nama brerebo. Zema la nama la nama. Right now, I want us to war in the spirit. And I want you to war for yourself. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand against every bit of unbelief, every bit of cynicism, every bit of doubt and dullness of heart, everything that's causing our spirits to be dull and stop us from discerning the hour. We're going to war against it. And you're going to speak to yourself to rise up in the spirit. Arise, mighty woman of God. Arise, mighty man of God. All right. So right now, lift your voice with me. Father, we arise. We arise from complacency. We arise from distractions. We arise from deceptions. We break through barriers and barricades. We break through demonic resistance and opposition. We break through deceptions of darkness. Let our prayers begin to break through in the heavens and will not be earthbound. We arise, we arise, we arise, we arise. We arise. We we shake off unbelief. 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 We shake off unbelief.
Everyone lift your hands with me right now. Father, we say your word. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn by what is false? Father, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Give us clean hands and pure hearts. Father, we disconnect ourselves uh, from the ideologies of the system and the culture that will cause our hearts to be contaminated. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. We want to ascend the hill of the Lord. We ascend the hill of the Lord. Make us the warriors. Make us the warriors of the last days. Ascend in the hill of the Lord. Giving birth to the promises of God. Let's raise our hands again. Father, raise up in this company the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah. The spirit of violence in the spirit. The spirit of fasting and prayer. The spirit of intensity in prayer. Arise within us. Arise within us. The spirit to contend for breakthroughs in the heavens. The spirit that releases fire from heaven. Release the prophetic whirlwinds of heaven. Release dreams and visions. Release clarity in the spirit. Intercessors that are precise, hitting the target. Intercession that gives birth to the will of God in the heavens and manifests on the earth. Raise that up in this company. Right now, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. I want to do something right now. I believe this is a word from God for the UK, for the body of Christ. And what I want to do right now is, as I've spoken this message, this prophetic message, by the way, I don't expect everyone to respond to this, so I won't be offended if you don't. I just want to know who is going to connect with this. Because I feel like in this moment, we should engage with the anointing and the presence and the heart of God as we respond and say yes to the Lord. 
as I've spoken this message, if you felt something resonate in your heart about this message of fasting and prayer, and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to engage with this. We've got a few months to prepare. We've got a few months to mobilize. We're going to mobilize the whole UK. North, south, east, and west. We're going to mobilize the whole body of Christ to fast during that season. And if you're here, you're saying, that, that connects with me. I, I, I feel this is me. I want you to come forward, and I feel like we need to kind of engage together in commitment before the Lord. We're coming forward and we're saying, Lord, we're connecting with this. Your coming forward is your faith. Saying, Lord, I identify with this message and I'm a part of this. I put myself in the storyline of revival over the UK. By responding, you're saying, God, I put myself in the storyline and I will be part of this army you're raising up. And I will also be a voice to mobilize the body, to connect, to fast and pray. I feel like we've reached a turning point, even in our prophetic story as a prayer movement. I feel like we've reached a turning point. I feel like this moment will give birth to things that we're going to look back on. If you're coming, I want you to respond and come forward a bit closer to the platform here. Come forward. I want to know everyone responding right now. If you know, it's okay. You can stay uh, a bit further back. If you're responding, can you raise your hands with me right now? We're going to make some declarations. Just repeat after me. Say, Father Lord. Thank you for the spirit of Elijah. That you're releasing in these last days. Father, I receive grace. To be an Elijah. In my generation, Father, I receive grace to fast, to pray, to seek you, to not be contaminated by the system and the culture, but to change the culture. Father, I receive grace to intercede with precision, with effectiveness in the spirit. Father, I receive grace. To be violent in the spirits. The spirit of violence that does not accept the status quo, but changes the status quo. Father, I receive grace to advance your kingdom in my generation. Father, release dreams and visions and revelations in the name of Jesus.
Release dreams. Release dreams. Revelations. Divine radar. Stepping into the council of heaven. Release dreams. Revelations. Divine radar. Stepping into the council of heaven. We receive the council of heaven concerning the UK. We receive the council of heaven. We will pray the prayers of heaven. Grace, the spirit of grace and supplication, rest upon this company. The spirit of grace and supplication, rest upon this company. Hey. Ah. Ela na maia da cataia.